I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Correction, correction. Small groups will not be launching August 19th. Opening for Thrive Groups, registration will be beginning August 19th. So be excited about that. Thrive Groups will be launching second week of September. So make sure you guys have that registration date so you can wait till the 26th and go back and look on all the sheets and see what groups your friends signed up for and then signed up for those groups. No, you guys, you guys wouldn't do that. So yeah, August the 19th, second week of, of September. Hey, you guys want to pray for our pastors? Father, we love them, God. Thank you for vacation. Thank you for rest. And we pray that you would refresh, Father. We pray that you would strengthen. Father, we pray that you would unite them in unity and cover them with, with joy. And, and God, that you would give them fresh vision uh, for, for who you are most of all, Father, and then what you want to do in and through them and in and through this body. We ask you to bless in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. You guys good? Yes. Cool. I have four pages of notes. And so I don't know who needs prayer more, me or you, because I normally have one and a half, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So I hope you came believing the Lord this morning because it might take somewhat of a miracle. Title for the message this morning. Vision, vision, vision. You guys like that one? It's catchy. Let's say it together. Vision, vision, vision. Let's pray. Father, God of miracles. Let your supernatural love come and break through. Nothing's impossible. You're the God of miracles. In Jesus' name. Amen. You go, Brandon, why are we talking about vision? I thought we were talking about small groups. We are. We're going to be talking about community for the next three weeks in, in preparation of, of opening up registration for small groups and then launching them in mid-September. But... I hope where we'll land by the end of this service is seeing that vision and thrive groups, they're not at all disconnected. It's going to be really fun to see how much you guys watch me and how much you guys watch Miranda Dry this morning. So just do what you do. I'll just, I'll just enjoy up here. Uh, but at least listen to me while you're watching her. We thought we would try something a little different this morning. So the word to our pastor was this. We, being Eastside Church, this body of believers, we can't host the anointing the way that God wants to pour it out apart from becoming a church of small groups. Fair enough, right? Easy enough. The, the trippy thing about that, that statement that the Lord spoke to our pastor is, is this. They're not mutually exclusive. You can't, you can't flip that around and, and go... If we become a church with small groups, then we're automatically hosting the anointing well. You guys see that? So we can't host the anointing well without becoming a church of small groups. But just because we're doing small groups, having small groups, becoming a church of thrive groups, which is what we're going to call them, but it's going to take me a year to get used to that name, so you guys bear with me. Just because we're having small groups doesn't mean we're hosting the anointing well. So I think where we have to land, hosting God's anointing, hosting God's presence well, is the goal, right? Would you agree? So what the heck does that mean? I mean, that's so, 
that's so churchy, that's so wordy, that's so mysterious, that's so let's get lost in that, in that language. Hosting the anointing, hosting the presence of God. What does it actually mean to, to do that well? Well, I'll, I'll take our attention to a couple of scriptures, which we won't go to. I'm going to reference a lot of scriptures today, only go to a few, because I have four pages of notes. So look at Romans 8.29, talks about that we're created to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You don't have to go there, just that's, that's the heart of God, that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. In, in 1 or 2 Corinthians 3-ish, if Paul can say somewhere in Scripture it says this, I can say 1 or 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about as we behold the glory of the Lord, as in a mirror, we're, we're transformed into, into the same image. And so, so I'm going to really boil down this idea of hosting the anointing well to this idea right here. Becoming what God wants us to become. Let's, let's, let's back off the goosebumps, the weak in the knees, the slain in the spirit, and the electrical currents running through our body. Although, the Lord does all that. Every single one of those things has happened to me. And it's legitimate. Right? But it's not the focus. It's not the reason. It's not why God pours out his spirit. God pours out his spirit to make you and I look more like Jesus. God pours out his spirit so we can be transformed, right? So that is how we host the anointing well. We become what God wants us to become. You guys good so far? All right, when we look at the early church, see, I already made it through one page already. Come on, y'all. Trust me. We, when we look at the early church, we would agree the early church was experiencing revival, Right? The Spirit of God was being poured out. The gifts were in operation. Community was happening. These guys were meeting. They were were eating together. They were getting to know one another. They were were praying together. And God was doing extraordinary miracles through the apostles and others in the early church, right? They were eating with, with gladness. They were eating with simplicity of heart. They were rejoicing. And believers were being added to the family of God every day. Pretty amazing, right? Could you, could you go for some of that? Would you like to see more of that here? We can, we can have what the early church had if we'll do what the early church did, right? And so, so there are several scriptures, again, I want to make mention to real quick, several scriptures that, that point to something very unique about the early church. Acts 1.14 says this, they continued with one accord in prayer. So that's the upper room. That's the atmosphere that the Spirit of God was, was poured out upon all mankind in, was this, this posture in prayer that was of one accord. Acts 2.46 says this. They continued daily with one accord. Daily in what? Daily in fellowship. Daily in the apostles' teaching. Daily in meeting in the temple. Daily in meeting homes. Daily in having meals together. They continued in one accord. There. There's more. Acts 4.24 says they raised their voices in one accord. When the apostles were threatened and told, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore, they went to their own and they shared what the religious leader said. And it says they raised their voices in one accord and said, look on their threats gone. Right? And the place was shaken. The spirit of God was poured out again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit again. But I want to highlight the raise their voices in one accord part. One more, Acts 4.33. It says that the people... All the believers were one heart, one soul, and they had all things in common. One accord, one accord, one accord, one heart, one soul. What are you saying, Brandon? They committed more than 
They committed to more than structures. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't, it wasn't just structures. They were, they were one mind. They were one heart. They were one accord. They, they knew God's vision, right? They knew what the Spirit of God wanted to do, and they, they agreed on that vision, and then they committed to structures that could support that vision. You guys with me so far? You see that? So it's the, it's the one accord conversation that I really want to have today because I just don't have a heart to get you to commit to small groups. Surprising. Who thought you would hear me say that today? I really don't. You know? Not without vision. Because if you commit to small groups without vision, it's dead in the water anyway. You know? So, so, so go play golf. Go fishing. Go get your hair done. Work around the house. Whatever you want to do. Because it's going to accomplish very little or maybe nothing. Do you guys see that? Okay. Cool. <clears throat> you might have noticed, Miranda's helping me preach this morning. Say hi to Miranda. Mm-hmm. There is, there's two things going on here, right? She has tools, paint, paintbrush, canvas. Yes? All right. Wakey, wakey. It's morning. Paint, paintbrush, canvas, tools. And she, she's probably, as we speak, she's getting vision from the Father on, on what he wants to accomplish, on the end goal, on the work of art. So as she gets vision and she gives herself to that vision, she uses the tools to make that vision a reality. Right? There you go. That is small groups. The reason small groups fail so often in so many churches is because small groups are the vision. And what I want you to hear this morning, small groups are not the vision. They're not. Small groups are paint, paintbrush, and canvas. Small groups are a tool. Small groups are an avenue of expression. Small groups are something that can come alongside the vision and serve it well so that God can produce the work of art that he wants to produce in you and I. And if we'll get the vision and we'll commit ourselves to the vision, hence the title, vision, 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 and then we'll use the tools just like Miranda's gonna do over the next half an hour, God will produce something incredible. You get there? So what's the vision for small groups is really the next question. The vision for, for Thrive Groups, y'all, is the vision for Eastside Church. They're not two different visions, right? It'd be really messed up if they were. So we're going to talk about the vision for, for Eastside Church. Over the next three weeks, we're going to hit four pieces of that vision. I'm going to cover two today, you know, because I'm typically the the, the most concise and the one that doesn't go long, so I got two, and, and, and JP got one, and Alex got one, um, so, you know, is what it is. But those are authentic community, big people over big church, biblical alignment in everything, and family over function. Now, this is where you're going to get tripped up, y'all, if you think those are just us being creative, if you think those are just something that we snagged 
out of cool, cutting-edge churchianity, you'll, you'll be messed up. You won't, you won't commit. You won't buy in. You won't do what Miranda's doing right now. You know, She's not getting a vision and going, ah, oh, that's just something that just came from somewhere that really doesn't have much potential. You actually have to believe, church, that leadership has heard from the Father, right? That we've seen the heart of God and, we've, and we've, we've gotten a hold of his direction for this body of believers and you actually have to buy into it. You actually have to commit yourself to it. So let's jump in right there. <clears throat> I'm gonna switch the order around on you a little bit and I'm gonna start with big people over big church. Let me break it down just a little bit, y'all, because again, it can, it can sound a little bit wordy. Let me say this, spiritual growth. Is that fair? A little, little simpler? Big people over, over, over big church. So, so what, is that, what, is that actually, what does that actually look like? It looks like you and I, our relationships, our marriages, our families, our way of thinking, our way of speaking, our way of doing, coming more and more into alignment with the character and nature and plan of God every day. That's what it looks like. That's what spiritual growth looks like. And so, so again, as we approach small groups this fall, we need to go into it with a heart understanding the reason we're even doing this in the first place is because we have a heart for spiritual growth here. Right? We wanna grow big people we are not content to have a church of 5,000 little people. We want a church of 5,000 big people, right? I'm not saying we don't want to grow a big church. Don't hear that. I'm just saying our, our primary concern, primary objective and goal and vision is to grow big people. It's spiritual growth. So we can see it in the Great Commission, right? Jesus says, make disciples. <laughs> Should be up on the screen for you commanding them to observe and do everything that I've commanded you. And so, so, so all means all, right? And so, so the Lord, one of the biggest lies in church today, y'all, is, is this. It's about some prayer that you said when you were seven. And it's not, right? Or it's about, it's about fire insurance. It's about not going to hell. It's about this, this moment in time where you become a part of the family of God and then, then you just sit on it for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, however long you live, and then you kind of pick it back up again. That misses it. That misses it. It's about transformation. It's about spiritual growth. We can see it where the, the many places in Scripture where it talks about the new covenant and God says, I'm going to put my nature in you. I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to write my laws on your heart and on your mind, and, and I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people, and, and you're not going to have someone else have to say, no, God, you'll all know me. You can, you can see it there. You can see it in the Great Commission. <clears throat> God's heart for transformation, you know, we can see it. Look at, bless you if that was a sneeze. Look at how many places, bless you even if it wasn't. <laughs> Look at how many places Jesus says to disciples, really? You really don't get it? Why don't you get it? 
How is it that you haven't put it all together? Why are your hearts so hard? Where are, those, where are those statements coming from? They're coming from an expectation? Be transformed. You know? Be transformed, Paul. Be transformed, Seth. Be transformed, Chris. Be transformed, Kim. This is the heart of God. Change. Grow up. Get it. Get the revelation. You know? Now, he, he figures out how to do that with incredible compassion and patience and, and mercy and walking us through. But the reason he said things like, come on, y'all, how do you not get it yet? Is because they were not growing at the pace that he wanted them to grow. Would you agree? Okay. What about Paul? Really? You, you ought to be eating meat by now. You ought to be teachers by now but you still have need of what? Milk, right. An expectation for growth, an expectation to change, an expectation to, to, to not be the same, do, think, speak, the same dysfunctional ways <laughs> that, that you always have. It is, it's breakthrough, y'all. It's, it's victory, it's It's putting things to bed in the past and moving to a new place. Now, here's the thing about change. Here's the thing about growing big people and spiritual growth. Not comfortable. Is it, Vulo? It's not comfortable. It's not easy. You're moving into a place where you're not right now. You're you're becoming something different. You're being stretched out. And it's hard. And it can be scary. It can be nerve-wracking. It can be anxious. It can be all those things. Why? Because God's calling you to a place beyond where you are currently. That's, that's kind of the definition of change and growth in the first place. And so, so, so what's my purpose in sharing all that? Vision. Get your, get your mind right. Go into it with the right posture so we can be one accord, one heart, one soul, one mind, Right? Here's the other thing, and so it's, it's, it's embracing the idea that God wants to grow you up, both with those things that you struggle with, those places that you know where God's calling you, but it's also, I think there is a tremendous need in our church to embrace this right here. You're a minister of the gospel. I can tell that I'm right because I silenced the crowd. You guys, the silence is deafening. You're a minister of the gospel. It's not Michael, it's not Julie, it's not me, it's not Alex, it's not whoever else you want to throw a label on around here, it's not JP, it's not Vulo. It is, and all you guys. You're a minister of the gospel. I'm telling you, I know I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. If you'll get up in the morning and you'll look at yourself in the mirror and you'll go, good morning, minister of the gospel. Good morning. Man of God, good morning, woman of God, good morning, chosen of the Lord, called of the Lord, gifted of the Lord. It'll change you. It'll change you. If it it doesn't change you, it's not even a possibility. It'll change you. Because you're agreeing with who God says you are. So 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says this. We've been, we've been reconciled and he's made us ministers of the gospel of reconciliation. Right? So you can, you can see it. 
You can see it right there. I'll just make this statement, y'all. You ought to be able to look at yourself and honestly say, I'm called to leadership. Right? How could it, now now don't think about the way that you're typically going to think about that. Don't think about that positions. Don't think about that title necessarily. Think about leadership being influenced. How could it be that the character and nature of Almighty God is being formed on the inside of you and you're not called to leadership? You're not called to influence. That's asinine. That's crazy. And so when we can really start to embrace about ourselves, which is one of, one of the things that the small group tool and resource structure can help us do is embrace this call that I'm a minister of the gospel. You're a minister of the gospel. I'm surrounded by ministers of the gospel, people that are called to influence, people that are, people that are gifted by God for the purpose of influencing others for the kingdom. Right? And, and, and the reason... The reason, y'all, small groups is a fitting model to encourage this and strengthen, strengthen this is because it's not going to be a big old group like this. It's going to be a little group. And, and, and your leader's going to look at you and say, hey, what'd you come with? What's the Lord saying to you? What's on your heart? What do you have for the group? Hey, can you pray? Hey, can you encourage Hey, will you help with the administrative needs of this group? Will you help with the hospitality needs of this group? Will you lead the outreach of this group? By the way, every group is gonna do an outreach every session. Right? So if you don't wanna do that, don't come. They go, oh, Brandon, that's harsh. Well, the vision spiritual growth. Right? And the only reason you wouldn't wanna do outreach is because you don't wanna grow. Because it's hard. It stretches you. Oh, I'm preaching good, y'all. It's hard. It stretches you, but it accomplishes the purpose, right? Think about how Jesus grew the disciples. Fly, little birdie. That's how he grew the disciples, right? He taught them. He was in relationship with them. He encouraged them. He comforted them. He answered their questions. And then he said, see all these people? You feed them. And then he said, hey, I got an idea. You guys go out there, two by two. That may have been the 70. But before he did it with the 70, he did it with the disciples. You preach, you teach, you heal the sick, you cleanse the lepers, you raise the dead. Right? So, so if we say this is how we're going to do it and you don't like it, you don't have a problem with the east side model. You have a problem with Jesus' model. Does that make sense? I know that's offensive. You know that I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth, right? Now, y'all, we're going to do that with care. You know, we're not, we're not looking to embarrass you, humiliate you, or set you up for failure. But we are looking to challenge you. We are looking to stretch you out. We are looking for you to kick your comfort zone to the curb because your comfort zone cripples you, right? We are, we are looking for that. So, Again, why, why is the small group place fitting like Miranda's tools? I really hope that's sinking in, y'all, are fitting for the vision because you can ask real questions. You remember when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Ah, oh, Lord.
can you explain that parable? And he said, what? You don't understand this parable? How are you going to understand any of them? And then he explained the parable to them. The, the small group atmosphere is a place where you can do just that. You can, you can stop the person that just said what they said, and you can go, hey, boss, you lost me. I didn't, I didn't get it. I need explanation. I don't understand. I don't agree. I don't see it that way. And, and you can vet out the word of God together. I'll call it discussion-oriented discipleship. You know what that leads to? Real spiritual growth, right? Where you can really get your questions answered. The other thing is it gives you a place to deal with real struggles. You know, you can, you can, <laughs> Ed Price is shaking his head over there. The men's group is doing this well, y'all. We can learn from them. You can really come and you can say, hey, my marriage, it's sucking. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm addicted. I'm depressed. I'm having trouble really believing God loves me. And you can do those things. And when you can invite people in and invite the Lord in and, and the perfect love of God set up in community can cast out fear, healing can come, freedom can come, victory can come, and spiritual growth can really, really happen. You guys see that? Okay, cool. The other thing we already talked about a little bit, real gifts, real call. You have an opportunity to actually get to see them. One, because you're actually talking to people more than just what we do on Sunday mornings, which I'll talk about here in just a moment. You're actually talking to people. And two, you're actually seeing people operate in their gifts. You're actually seeing other people, you know, besides the anointed few up here, whatever that means, share words, encourage, hear from the Spirit of God, pour in, pray, Move, move, in, move in an administrative fashion or an encouraging fashion, you know, or a pastoring fashion and all those things. And you're like, you're like, dang, Nick. Like, I didn't realize Nick had the hospitality gift the way that he does. I didn't realize he was the pastor the way that he is. And you recognize the gifts and the callings in individuals because you see them in operation. What are we all doing? We're growing together. That's spiritual growth. You have an opportunity to operate in your gifts and your callings. You know, it's really like the Bible says, how is it when you all come together? Everybody has a revelation, a teaching, something to share, because that's the way God wants it to be, right? And you'll have an opportunity to share those things. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me look at this scripture real quick with you. Ephesians 4, 11 through, six, through 16, just to drive this point home. And he, this is, this is vision, 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 vision. Don't lose the context. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? Read it to me, church. That was really good. Let's read it. Let's read it again. That was really good. Let's read it again. Stop. Kim, you're amazing. You highlighted that. Oh, it's highlighted up there, not there. I was like, Wow. That's incredible. Anyways, back on track. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Who are the saints? Who does the work? What are we here for? To equip you. Right? That, listen, that's easy to say, y'all. Hard to walk. But if we'll walk it, and if we'll embrace God's vision for spiritual growth, which is dealing with our own stuff and getting free, and embracing our call and our gifts 
to influence others, God might be able to produce something pretty stinking awesome in our midst. Is that good? Big church, big people over big church. Spiritual growth. That's the vision. That's why we do these services the way that we do. That's how we operate every facet of the church the way that we do. And that's why we're doing Thrive Groups. Spiritual growth. All right, let's talk about community real quick. I'm going to authentic community. I'm going to define this this way. A group of people pursuing God together, doing life together, that are committed to each other, trust each other, and they're transparent with each other. Taking notes, write those three down right there. They're committed to each other, they trust each other, and they're transparent with each other. We don't have to look far in the word of God to see God's heart for a community. Look at the Trinity. Need I say more? Look at the garden. Look at Abraham in Genesis 18, verse 19, where the Lord says, I've known him so that he can command his children after him. I'll say this, church. The family unit is God's greatest design for discipleship. He doesn't have one greater. He never will. So you can see that, that community. You can see that, that, that tight-knit God that we serve. You can see his heart there. Look at Jesus and disciples. We can see it there. Look at the early church. We can, we can certainly see it there. Look at the, look at the cross, y'all. There is no, there's no greater demonstration of the heart of God for community than the cross, which took people that were separated with no hope and brought us together. Took a God separated from his people with no hope and broke down that wall of separation and, and brought us together because God's heart is so much for community. So the reason I'm not going in too much to all those places is because, you know, I don't think you can honestly take more than a five-minute glance at the word of God and come to any other conclusion than we serve a God who's passionate about community. Right? So we know that. I, I think where we can tend to struggle a little bit more is on the authentic side of things. And so that's where I want to kind of spend my time. And, we can, and again, we can see God has a heart for, for authenticity. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 51.6 says, David saying, God, you desire truth in the inward parts. Right? When we think of authenticity, we think of truth. God says this in John 4, when we worship the Father, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. So until we come to a place of really being truthful with ourselves and with God, worship, it's not even a possibility. Isn't that amazing? That really elevates the place of truth in, in my heart. God himself, the, the spirit of God is called the spirit of truth. Jesus is called the way the it's everywhere, y'all. It's, it's similar to community, how, how much the heart of God is, is for truth. <laughs> you shall know the and the truth sets you free, right? So where are we apart from truth? Prison, right? 
If truth sets us free, then when we're not operating in truth, we're in prison. We're in chains. We're bound. And so, so, so again, vision, vision, vision. Right? Because, because we can do small groups and accomplish nothing. But if we do small groups, set on spiritual growth, set on change, set on embracing our call and embracing our gifts, and set on being truthful to a degree that we've never been truthful with each other, different story. I'll say this, church. I think the Lord wants to move us far beyond a, hey, how you doing? Great, and a hug on Sunday mornings. You may go, you may go, Brandon, you are the author of Hey, How You Doing Great and a Hug on Sunday mornings. You're right. You're right. But I also do life with many, many of you outside of these four walls. Right? And I want to get better. I want to get better at that because that's the heart of God. I heard one time in a message, so this is, this is, this is, this is not, not, not unique. I think I heard this from Brady Boyd uh, at New Life Church in, in Colorado Springs. He said, three, three greatest lies told in church. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll call you. So, so do you think God wants to do a work in us as far as authentic community? and something real in our relationships with, with one another. Yes? Me too. Me too. Um, you know, again, I have a heart to, have a heart to, to share, share this. How does, the, how does the Thrive Group structure support the vision of, of authenticity? It's a couple of things we've already mentioned. One, y'all, it's, it's you're actually having conversations with people. Right, And when you do that, you actually get to know where people are and what's going on in their life and, and what they're excited about, what they're passionate about, what they're gifted and called to do, but also where they, where they struggle. And so, so the, intimate, the intimate setting provides incredible opportunities if our heart is set on truth. Yes? Okay. I want to look at a story... A weird story when you're talking about small groups and vision and community like we are, but it's going to be good. Turn over to Acts 5. I want to look at the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah, I know. Strange, huh? No, I don't think God's going to strike us dead if we mess up how we do small groups. But I certainly think there's something that we can, we can grab onto here. 5-1, are you there? 5-1, are you there? Oh, thank you. So much better. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the prize to the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. 
And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. <clears throat> this is a weird story, y'all. I mean, I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Like, I don't have it figured out, you know? I don't have my, have my mind around it. So if you're expecting me to stand up here and tell you why exactly, you know, God killed or Ananias and Sapphira had to die for, for telling a lie, you're not gonna get that answer today, sorry. <laughs> but there's something striking about the posture of Ananias here, okay? And, and kind of what we quickly do is, is we, we jump to the lie. He, he told a lie, you know? Or we might even go, what did he do that was so wrong? Like, he still gave an offering to the church. He just didn't give it all. Like, like, come on, Lord. I don't know. I approach this story that way sometimes. Like, Lord, what the heck? You know? It's kind of brutal. I think what we can see here, church, is we can see God hates pretense. God hates when a person brings an offering in part and pretends it's an offering in full. That's what Ananias did. He did more than, than tell a lie. He, he threatened to destroy the community of God as it had been built in the early church. And, and really, at the end of the day, what he had was he had a trust issue. Ananias had a trust issue. You go, ah, Brandon, unpack that a little bit. Glad you asked. I will. He, he held back part of the proceeds, him and his wife together. Right? In what environment? In an environment where people were selling houses and selling lands and bringing them and setting them at the apostles' feet and where anyone who had lack was being taken care of. That's key. Don't miss that. This is the revelation for us because, because we tend to look at Ananias and go, oh, he's so bad. No, he's not. You're Ananias. I'm Ananias. And we have that tendency to do the very same thing. What he had was a trust issue with the people of God actually being who the people of God claimed to be. And the people of God doing what the people of God were claiming they would actually do. And because he did not trust the people of God, he chose not to commit himself fully, right? 
Think about that. You can see this, y'all. This makes perfect sense in the human psyche. You know, I know they say over there that, that you know, Sapphira, if we have need, if something happens, if, if I lose my job, if this business deal falls through, you know, if one of the kids, you know, has a, has a major medical expense, I know they say they'll cover that. But I just don't buy it. I just don't buy in. See, what we have in the story of Ananias and Sapphira is we have a, a divorce from one heart, one mind, one accord. That's what we have. I know they say who they are. I know they say what their intent really is. But I just don't buy it, babe. Do you? Do you buy it? No, I don't, I don't really buy it either. Okay, so, so, so let's do this. Let's, let's put this plan together that will we'll sell the land for X amount. But, but we'll just take part of it and we'll give it to the church so that when they fail us, we'll be covered. I think it's incredible that we sang songs about we need your supernatural love to break through. I think it's incredible that my wife brought a word about the perfect love of God cast out fear because I think the biggest thing he wants to speak to us as we, as we get the vision for Thrive Groups this fall, as we get the vision for this church all the time, is a call to actually believe in the people around you. Stop. Stop thinking they don't mean what they say. Stop looking at, at people in this body and going, nah, fake. I don't buy it. I'm not sold. Because that's Ananias. And you go, Brandon, people are broken. I got it. <laughs> Trust me. I know you. I got it. I know me. People are broken. But the Lord still calls us to be a community. And where there is not trust and a decision to trust, there cannot be authentic community. If you're, if you're complacent in your position to think that we as Eastside Church, we as a leadership team, we as the person sitting on your right and on your left are not who they claim to be, and they're not doing what they claim that they're doing. You will, you will do what Ananias did, and you'll say, but I still want to be a part. I just want to be a part in a way that I don't have to be vulnerable. I just want to be a part in a way where I don't actually have to put myself out there. I just want to be a part in a way where I can't be hurt. And you're, and you're guarded, and you're, and you're half-hearted, and you're, and you're distrusting. And you, and I, because we both have the tendency, y'all, will we'll bring our offering, which Romans tells us what? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Bring our offering, bring ourselves, in part, pretending it's in full. And it's, it's relationship built on lies. It's community built on lies. And it's not authentic. And it's not what you and I need. And it's not what the world needs. What am I saying? You have to air everybody your dirty laundry and all your dirty little secrets? Not necessarily. That's not, that's not the heart of it. The heart of it is 
you're actually fully committed to the people around you, the body of believers. You actually believe in God's design. You believe in this plan called the church, and you're willing to give yourself to that even if you get hurt, even if they fail you, even if they disappoint you. You're not guarded. You don't have a backup plan. You're holding nothing back. I think, it's beautiful, isn't it? I think that if we'll commit to the vision of spiritual growth, I think if we'll commit to the vision of authenticity and real relationships and we'll give ourselves fully, and then we'll embrace the tools called Thrive Groups that God's given us to walk that vision out, the Lord will do something incredible. I think we'll host the anointing well if we do those things. You guys good? Let's pray. You can stand with me. <clears throat> oh, Father, that's a good word. Not because I preached it, because you breathed it. Father, I pray for my family. God, I pray your blessing upon us. Father, I, I thank you for speaking to us, God. I ask you to continue to, to speak to us as we go. And, and Father, I'm just going to pray just in the, in the, in the area that, that I think you're focusing on the most, which is authenticity. We need help there, God. We're, we're, we're so guarded We've been hurt, we've been let down, we've, we've been failed, we have, we have past experiences, plenty to fall back on. But God, we know.